So when I was a child, uh, we would have church Sunday morning and Sunday night, and we would all, always get home Sunday night. My mom would always fix us uh, like a sandwich from, we would have this huge uh, uh, Sunday uh, lunchtime, like lunch meal kind of, and we would all like collapse and fall asleep because we're in this food coma. We'd get up, go to church, we'd come home, and then my mom would like get the chicken or the beef and she'd cut it up, and we'd have sandwiches. And we would sit in front of the TV on a Sunday night, and uh, there was a show that used to always come on. I don't know if you guys ever had it over here, but we had it in England, and it was called Mastermind. And uh, the show, uh, Mastermind, was for like the, the most intellectual people that you could imagine. They were the geeks of all geeks. And what would happen is they would have, there would be this big black leather chair. They would sit in the leather chair. All the lights would go out and it would be like spotlights on them. Or you'd be able to see this. And then this guy would read them questions and they would have to answer the questions. It doesn't sound that interesting, right? But what, what, it really doesn't sound that interesting. Why did we watch it? I don't know. But, uh, but what the questions they would ask would be on a specific subject. And the person would be able to choose their specific subject. But like I said, these were like the smartest people ever. And the subjects that they chose were like out of this world. It would be like a subject like your chosen subject is uh, the failures of the Baltimore Orioles in 2002 to 2004. And it would be like specific questions for that, that nobody would ever have a clue unless you studied these questions. And so we would watch it. And like there would probably be about one question throughout the whole night that one of us would be able to answer in our home. And if we could answer that question, we felt like the smartest people ever. I mean, they were like crazy questions that nobody, but we'd watch it and we'd make ourselves feel dumb and they would look smart. And like I said, I don't know why we watched it, but we did. And so there was this show, Mastermind. And most people, they would choose their subject and they would study it from the inside out because they had a love for their subject. Nobody else kind of had a love for their subject, but they had a love for the subject. And this is what it really means to love a topic, to study a topic, to have knowledge about a topic from the inside out. And I'm sure you're here this morning and you probably know some things about a certain subject or a topic that nobody else knows. I am a useless fact guy. I know useless facts like no man's business. Don't ask me to quote one because, you know, it just comes in the spur of the moment. But if you ask me, what did I talk to my wife about this morning? Or what did I talk to someone about yesterday? I'm like, uh, can't remember. But ask me a useless fact uh, or ask me something and I will tell you a useless fact. Do you know why? Because I like to like read about useless information. I don't know why. I like to watch shows about useless information. And what happens is you become what you think think. You become what you study. You become what goes into your mind. And when we think about our mind, the thing between our ears, our mind, most of us, we start to think about our inner thoughts. We think about our feelings and we think about our emotions because we think our mind is our thought process. However, if you go back like 5,000 years, There was a group of people called the Hebrews. 
and they were a nation. And when you said about someone's mind, immediately they thought about someone's intellect, the knowledge that somebody has. You know, like we said, if someone is very smart, somebody, you know, knows lots of stuff, we say they have a great mind. And the Hebrews, when you talk about someone's mind, they would think about someone's intellect, about their knowledge of someone. That, that they would say that someone who is very intelligent has a great mind. And the Hebrews believed that the more intellectual you were, the greater your mind was. So one day, Jesus is walking down the road, and a religious man comes up to him who knows a lot about religious law. He knows a lot about, a lot about the, the Hebrew law. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said this. He said, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And equally important, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's found in Mark chapter 12, verse 29. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Well, last week we dealt with what it, what it means to love the Lord your God with all your soul. The week before, we dealt with what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And today we're going to look at what it means to love the Lord your God with all your mind. Now, there is a problem with what Jesus said. Jesus was quoting a scripture that was found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. And the scripture that Jesus was quoting was when, when Moses was on, on the mountain, he gave him the, God gave him the Ten Commandments, like the fire hit the stones and the tablets, and he had the Ten Commandments. And after that, God said to this to Moses, he says, Moses, the greatest commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And equally important is to love your neighbor as yourself. So God said the greatest commandment is to love God with your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It's like Jesus suddenly puts in an extra thing in there. And lots of people are like, whoa, what's going on? Is Jesus like making up the things that God said? Well, actually, just to put your mind at ease, no pun on words, but put your mind at ease, the Hebrews had a double meaning for the word strength. And next week, we're going to deal with what it means to, to, to love God with our, all our strength. They had a double meaning. And, and when, the, when the Bible was translated into Greek, it was very difficult to come up with one translation. And then Jesus, when Jesus walked this earth, he didn't speak in Hebrew. He spoke in Aramaic. And in Aramaic, this word strength had two meanings. So Jesus... Being the wise person he was, he says, well, let's just do the two meanings. Let's love God not just with your strength, but also with your mind. And, and we'll, like I said, we'll deal with strength next week. But what it meant to love the Lord your God with all your mind was to love the Lord your God with all your intellect. You see, the mind was seen in both Hebrew culture and the times that Jesus lived as the greatest asset to humanity. Now, you ask people today, you know, what's the greatest asset to humanity? And we're probably going to say uh, iPad, uh, computer, internet, Facebook, Twitter, you know? I mean, I think the greatest 
asset to humanity is ESPN myself. But but we got so much stuff, information out there that no longer do we have to use our mind as much. But back in Jesus' time, the greatest asset in the world was people's minds. And so that's why even today, if you go to university and you study political science or you study psychology or you study some sort of social science, you're going to study a bunch of people who lived a long, long time ago and they probably said about one wise thing and now we're still talking about it today. Because the mind was the greatest asset that they had. And in Jesus' day, The mind of an intellectual amazed everyone. And so Jesus was saying this. He says, the greatest commandment is this. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, which we discovered is our personality, our emotions. To love the Lord your God with your soul, which last week we discovered was to love God with our senses. And then he said this. It's to love the Lord your God with the greatest asset that you have. The greatest asset you have. It's not your eyes. It's not your abs, if you've got good abs. It's not your guns, if you're a guy. You know, it's not your hair, your flowing hair. Your greatest asset is your mind. And God said this, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your greatest asset. So you may say to me today, Alex, how are we supposed to do that? How do we love God with our minds? Well, there's three things I really quickly want to go through this morning. And the first one is this. The first way that we love God with our mind is to increase our knowledge of Him. Increase our knowledge of Him. Like I said, there's probably one topic or one thing that you may know more than anybody else. Some of you, you know how to work Facebook better than anybody else. Some of you, you know how to work a computer better than anybody else. Some of you, you may know more about science than anybody else. Some of you, you can solve any math problem there is, known to man. And some of you, you don't even know what pie is. You think pie is something that you eat. So some of you, you're very good at the English language, while the person next to you, you know, if they type something, it makes you cringe because they've got like wrong spelling and their punctuation is all out of the place. And then others, you just know lots of stuff, like you know lots of stuff about sport or you know lots of stuff about work. You know, this week uh, I was talking with, with, with Brian Cornell and we were talking about golf handicaps and he was like, how do I do my golf handicap? And I'm like, you go online to do it. And he's like, I don't know how to do that stuff. He says, he said, but I can frame a house. I'm like, you know, I can do that because there's stuff like I can't frame a house. You, if I frame a house, the house is going to fall down because the big bad wolf is going to blow and it's going to fall down. But if Brian frames a house, the big bad wolf's going to come and he's going to blow and it's going to stay strong. But go on the internet and I know how to work it. Obviously, he doesn't. Because there's certain topics that we know better than anyone else. Do you know why? Because we start to have a love for that subject or that topic. We become what we read, we become what we study, and we, become, um, we open our mind to what we allow in our mind. 
And I guarantee those things that you know more about the majority of other people, whether it's stuff on your job, maybe you you know stuff more about other people in your family, maybe you know more about other people in a hobby or your favorite sports team or how, how to work your way around Pinterest or something. It's because you have formed a love for that thing. And Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 16 tells us this. It says, this is a new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. So God's saying, I'm going to make this covenant. He says, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their mind. So God is saying, I'm going to do this to my people. I'm going to make sure that they are knowledgeable about my laws, and I'm going to write them on my mind. And I ask you today, what are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your mind with? God asks us, or he wants us to flood our mind with everything about him. And I'm going to say something this morning that you've probably heard many times in church, but there is a reason why we, we, why we say this. Why people who stand in positions like I'm standing now and say it. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. If you find a translation that you just don't understand, find another translation. You know, I read the New Living Translation, which is what we read on a Sunday morning. But I, always, I used to read the... New American Standard Version. Before that, I read New King James Version. Before that, I read King James Version. And I'll be honest, I read the King James Version, and I never got out of it what I get out of the New Living Translation. And my wife, she loves the Message Version. Even I keep telling her it's not a real version. She loves it because it gets, she gets so much out of it. And this is why it's important to read your Bible, because when you read your Bible, you are flooding your mind with the things of of God. So read your Bible. There's so many different apps out there, so many different things to help you read your Bible. You can go to uh, get the app Olive Tree. You can get the YouVersion app. You can go down to Lifeway down in White Marsh, and they can give you like a one-year study Bible and different study Bibles and things. But I encourage you, read your Bible because it's going to help you flood your mind with the things of God. Not just for the sake of it to say, hey, I read my Bible. Not because it's a religious ritual because, hey, Alex told us we must read our Bible. But because by doing it, you are now filling your mind with the knowledge and the promises of God. And by reading your Bible, you are starting to write the things of God on your mind. This is part of loving God with our mind, increasing our knowledge of him. There was a guy called W.A. Tozer. He was a great preacher. He's written lots of books, and he lived a few years ago. And he said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing to us. What comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing to us. When you think about God, what are you thinking? Are you thinking about your problems? Are you thinking about maybe unanswered prayers? Are you thinking of the things that you want God to do for your life? Or are you thinking about the love of God, the grace of God? 
the forgiveness of God. I guarantee the more you read your Bible, the more you'll start to think about the things about who God is instead of the things that God can do for you. And when you start to think that in your mind, it's like you have a totally different relationship with God. It's not dependent about what God can and can't do for me. It's about who God is. And I ask you today, how knowledgeable are you about the Bible? How knowledgeable are you about your Christian faith? Do you know the stories of the Bible? Do you know the things that Jesus actually said? Do you know how to live a pure Christian life according to the writings of the Apostle Paul? And the reason I say that is because the more you understand what the Bible says, the more you become knowledgeable about God, the more knowledgeable about God, when life gets tough, you know what to do. You know which way to go. When you are faced with sin in your life or coming against you, you know whether it's sin or not. So many Christians I know are people who have fallen into sin And sinners consume their life, one thing or another. And they started because they never understood it was really sin. You know why? They never had a grasp of what God had actually said. We have churches out there right now and people in denominations and preachers who are saying things that used to be done years ago or used to be said were wrong years ago and now okay. And you know why? Because... We stop writing the commands of God on our minds. And we don't like it because it's not rational to us. You know, because, because we think, well, it's, it's a, God loves everybody. Yes, God loves everybody. But if we read our Bible and we understood the laws and the commands of God and the things that Jesus said, we would also realize that God is a just God. He is going to be a judge one day. And there's things that God says that people just forget. Because we're not writing the things on the mind of God. And someone who loves the Lord their God with all their might is someone who even though sometimes you just don't want to do it, still do it. There's days that I wake up, I'm like, man, I just want to watch the TV. I don't want to read my Bible. I want to check how my fantasy team's doing. I don't want to read my Bible. And I'll admit, there's times that like that. But I understand that it's a must. Because every day I'm filling my mind with the laws and the commands of God. So the first way that we love the Lord our God with all our mind is to uh, increase our knowledge of Him. The second way that we love the Lord our God with all our mind is to expand our memory. Expand our memory. The Hebrews put a big emphasis on memory. They believe what you remembered you would practice. Every child by the age of 12 years old in the Hebrew culture could memorize the whole Torah. The Torah was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now, if I was to ask you guys this morning, how many of you can remember, list all the Ten Commandments, you know, that you gave Moses? We may struggle this morning, you know, to like just come off the cuff. But every child could remember the whole Torah, recite it word 
for Word. And when we were kids, we, we would go to Sunday school, and we would always do like memory verse. Um, uh, we would do like Bible verse memorization. And the next week, we would have to come back, and if we remember the verse from last week, we would get a candy. And you would get a bunch of kids, yeah, 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 I remember, I remember, I remember. And they would come out front, and they would say the verse, and they would be like, for God so uh, something the world that he gave, uh, and they just couldn't remember. And I was the same. I couldn't remember. You know, useless facts I can remember. But, you know, Bible verses, it was tough. But yet the Hebrews realized that the more you remembered, the more the things of God would stay with us. And memorizing the Bible, memorizing verses of the Bible, isn't just a nice party trick. It's not just something that you say, hey, I'm smarter than you, you know, because I can quote some scripture. It's important for us in times of hardship. You know, my brother, my brother was eight years younger than us, and he was always quirky, a little strange, um, like all younger brothers are, really. Um, And he had this ability that he could remember all the kings and queens of England and list them all. From William the Conqueror in 1066 who was a French dude, by the way, it's a stain on our, on, our, on our country, to Elizabeth II, who was sometime, I don't know, 52. I don't know when she came to power. But don't tell my motherland, okay? I don't know that. But from William the Conqueror to Elizabeth II, he could list every king and queen. And so when people would come around the, the, the house, we would have visitors. It would be my mom and dad's party trick. You know, some people bring a dog out. Yeah, look at the flips the dog can do. You know, we can, you know, jump up this high to get a, a little treat. My parents' party trick was, hey, check our son out. He can list all the kings and queens of England. And I would just sit there like, who cares? I'm like, I could list every England soccer player for the last 50 years, you know. Why can't we do that for a party trick? But he would remember, and it would be a nice party trick. But that's not why you remember the things in the Bible. It's not for a party trick. You remember the things in the Bible by memorizing Scripture, by memorizing the the commands of God. You're filling your mind, firstly, with the commands of God. Meaning you actually know what the Bible says is right or wrong. Should should I have sex before marriage? Should should I say those controversial words? Should should I speak about that person, you know, in a bad way or behind their back? Should, Should I keep that grudge against someone who has wronged me? How should I treat that person who has done stuff that really I'm finding hard to forgive? By memorizing the commands of God and the laws of God, We know what to do in those situations. Psalm 119 and verse 11 says this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, he says, if you hide the words of God in your heart, it's going to help you not to sin against God. But also remembering the words of God, memorizing scripture also opens our minds to the promises of God. We know what the promises of God, and we know who God is. 
we know we will know that God is love, that God will never leave us or forsake us. For those who love God and are called according to his purposes, we know that all things will eventually work together for good. We'll know that God gives a peace that goes past all our understanding if we are stayed in Jesus Christ. We, we, we will know that there, there, there's nothing in this world that can come against us because if God is for us, then no one can be against us. And by memorizing these things, we memorize the promises of God. And when life gets tough, it helps us through it. So we improve our knowledge of God. We expand our memory of God. And very quickly, last thing this morning, we improve our imagination of God. Improve our imagination of God. We got two skylights at home. And, uh, and one thing I love to do just at night, in a clear night, I just like to switch off all the lights in the house and I just stand there and look at the stars. I got like this app on my phone. It's like Google Skylight. It shows us where the stars are. But I just go and I gaze. And, and sometimes I just get this overwhelming thought about the magnitude of who God is as I'm looking at, at these stars. And if you love someone, you imagine life with that person. You imagine the things that you will do with that person. If you love someone, you imagine going places with them. You imagine doing things with them. A, a parent imagines, you know, when their baby is small, they imagine their, the baby when they're older and they can take them to Disney World. You know, a couple who are engaged, you know, they imagine the day when, you know, they get a house together or they may get a family together. The single people imagine the day when they meet somebody who becomes their soulmate. And, you know, for me, I imagine the day I became a scratch golfer, which is never going to happen, but I imagine it. You know why? Because the things that we love, we imagine about. And imagination is part of of loving. Do you ever imagine God? Do you imagine the wonders and the greatness of God? Do you ever imagine what heaven looks like? Do you imagine what eternity looks like one day when we pass from this life? Do you ever imagine what God looks like? The people who love the Lord their God with all their mind are people who imagine God. Imagine God. We read this verse last week. But it applies again this week. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Are you training your mind to think on God, to think about the things of God? So what floods your mind? What are you feeding your mind? The one who loves the Lord their God with all their mind is the one who floods their mind with the things of God. They are the one who feeds their mind with the nutrition of God. They are the ones who, who, choose, to make, uh, who choose to diligently learn more about God. They don't just read their Bible. They study their Bible. They are the ones who soak up like a sponge the promises and the commands of God. It's almost like they tattoo the promises and the commands of God on their minds so that in times of hardship or if they're going through a dry season, they will not forget the God who loves them so much. The ones who love the Lord their God with all their mind are the ones who ponder and wonder on the magnitude of God. 
They imagine one day being face to face with God. They think about God and think about the love of God often. And God doesn't want you to do this because everything is about him. Even though it should be everything about him. But God said to love the Lord your God with all your mind. Because he understands that to truly love someone. You need to be not just able to feel it in your heart. But you need to understand it in your mind. And the more you seek God. The more you will find that he loves you so much. The more that you get to know about God, the more that you will discover that the only way to live life is to love God. But unless we're filling our minds with the things of God, we will never understand. I'm not saying that we should all just go and become intellectuals because loving God is so much more than just a mind thing. There's lots of people, they could quote every scripture in in, in the world and it just hasn't gone into the heart. But if it's just in your heart and not in your mind, one day there's an enemy out there and they are going to ambush your heart. And your mind is not going to be able to cope because you will not understand the things of God. It's got to be heart and mind. And when you do that, you start to discover that there is a world out there to be discovered. There is a Bible out there that is full of life-giving words that can just fill your life day by day. No matter what you go through in this life, how easy life is, how hard life is, how sad life is, how joyous life is, there is a Bible out there That is the words of God, and they are the words of life. Jesus says, I've come to give life and life to the full. And it starts with soaking up the knowledge of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer.